0: Hey guys, it's Dustin. Welcome to the inaugural episode of This is Super Cool. Um, I hope you enjoy the following. It was something that um, when I was trying to brainstorm topics to do, I I said to myself, oh, I'm just going to do this um, object slash place that is the background on my work computer because I think it probably has a really interesting story. Um, And I wasn't disappointed. Um, And like with a lot of stuff, uh, it kind of transformed. And it ended up not being an episode quite about what I thought it would be about. Um, But I am very intrigued by it and happy with um, what I found. um, Because it's pretty nuts. And and I hope you all enjoy it too. So um, I'm Dustin Durham. And this is episode one of This is Super Cool. So I want you to picture this in your mind. You're looking straight ahead and in the background are epically tall mountains um, just covered in the most beautiful uh, reds and yellows and oranges of fall, um, both um, deciduous and evergreen trees. Um, there's a lake in the background. Behind you, there are two other lakes. Um, if you look kind of to your two o'clock from where you're standing, um, there's a there's a hill, a, a small hill, not that not one like kids would roll down, but one you would still kind of have to climb. Um, more of a mini mountain. And uh, up on that mini mountain, there are ruins of a castle. And to your ten o'clock, there's an even higher, mountain and even higher hill and there are more ruins of two other castles and they've been standing there for centuries Um, the date is august 25th 1845 and on this same day hundreds of miles away to your east in the city of munich germany then just munich bavaria a boy is born, and that boy would grow up to build some new structure on one of those hills that would later be known as one of the most famous uh, and beautiful sites in all of Europe. Um, but for some reason, more is known about that building that this little boy would build and not the boy himself. and. In my research, I discovered that the boy and the man he grew up to be um, is almost just as intriguing and as beautiful and as quirky and as strange as this thing on the hill he built. And that little boy's name, who would later become a king, was Ludwig. Or, if you're German, Ludwig. Um, and so, this is super cool. It's the story of King Ludwig II of Bavaria and his fairy tale castle, Neuschwanstein. So. King Ludwig II, um, well, this, guys, I'm not gonna lie, um, this is a fucking crazy story, um, this dude and his life, I just feel so much for this guy, like, he, this dude had it rough, and it was not a fun time for him, um, so, basically, um, in uh, the region um, of Southwest Bavaria, um, this is way before it was Germany. Um, so Bavaria is is for for us in the U.S. It's typically when we think of Germany, we think of Bavaria, which side story I found out was because after the Second World War, that was kind of the region of Germany after it had been subdivided among the Allies that the U.S. troops were stationed in. So like all of the photos and like memorabilia and culture that they exported to the states. That we just took as German culture was actually Bavarian culture. So, later, Hosen in the Alps and, and Oktoberfest and all that, that that's, I mean, that's not Germany, that's Bavaria. Um, but it's helpful for the sake of understanding kind of where we are. We're like at the foot, like we're, we're at the base of the Alps. Um, beautiful, unlike unfairly pretty, lots of lakes. And so, it's in this um, area called, and I am always going to be semi fluent in German, so this is gonna be very mutilated and I apologize to the Germans of the world, um, it is in a region called Schwangau, and basically there was a, um, a, an old castle called Schwanstein Castle, which translates to Stone of the Swan, or just Swan Stone Castle. And, um, so after, uh, Ludwig was born, um, in Munich, obviously to a royal family, uh, his dad, who was King Maximilian II, which first of all, fucking great name, Maximilian, I love that. Um, he bought the ruins of this castle. And so he was like, okay, well, not really into historic preservation, just gonna, you know, like a lot of people in America now. And so he just knocked the shit down. And so he said, I'm going to build a new castle here. And call it hön, mm, That's no, there's no umlaut. That's not how you say that. Hohen hun Hohen Schwangau. Told you it would be bad. Anyway, it means high above Schwangau, high above this region. So Hohen Schwangau Castle. And so he started this um, in 1832, and in 1837 it, it was completed, and it became the, um, the summer residence of the family because obviously they can have more than one house because they're king and queen and. Fucking loaded. And anyway, so that was done in 1837. So from the time Ludwig was born, he spent his summers here. Like, this was his childhood summer home. And so he would always uh, adventure in the region. And so he could always see the the ruins of these two other castles that were, were on this higher peak. Oh, God help me. Uh, the names of those were Föderhöhenschwangau, hmm, which means basically um, before... Like the literal translation is like before the high Schwangau. So I think it means like it's the closer one to the, the Schwangau valley, um, like before Schwangau. So it's Fura Hohen Schwangau castle and Hinter Hohen Schwangau castle. And Hinter means behind. So be, real creative but literal names. Um, so it's basically in front of the high castle in the front and the high castle in the back. So that's like, that's what we're dealing with here. And, um, so he would always kind of play around in that shit because it's fucking Germany. Oh, also, should have said, I curse a lot. I hope that's okay. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> this is not a PG podcast. Um, so yeah, Ludwig, um, and I got all of this just from the inner interwebs. I made notes, but I just basically copied and pasted. So I'm gonna be reading sometimes like verbatim. So if it sounds a little like weird, it's because I'm reading verbatim from like Wikipedia or something. Um, but yeah, apparently Ludwig wasn't really close um, to either of his parents, which is always sad. Um, and apparently it was so bad that the king King Max's advisors um, had on multiple times told him he need to he needed to take daily walks um, with his son um, slash the man who would, you know, take over when King Max died, and the king is quoted as, as saying to these advisors, but what am I to say to him? After all, my son takes no interest in what other people tell him. So clearly a great father figure, clearly trying very hard, um, clearly deserves to have a, an 18th century father of the year coffee mug um, at his bedside. Um, every morning he wakes up. Uh so this guy was a dick and it, it was so bad that Ludwig would refer to Jesus he would, would he would refer to his mom as my predecessor's consort like wouldn't even like dude had some problems and um was kind of close to his grandpa unfortunately his grandpa was described as the notorious king ludwig the 1st and was also deposed so You know, it's kind of like if you're saying, oh, hey, I was not really ever close to my parents, but I was really a fan of my grandfather, Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, Some red flags there. And so Ludwig's dad died um, when Ludwig was 19 um, after a three-day illness. And so this guy who, I mean, sharp-looking guy, like he's, I mean, he was known at the time as being like, oh, shit, there's that handsome fucker. Um... Ludwig, and so that's a verbatim quote, um, I believe, from the um, direct German translation. You're welcome, and uh, yeah, so like real sharp, good looking guy, but babyface. And so, this kid, this 19 year old kid, becomes king because you know, people back then lived to be like 37 anyway, so that I guess that was okay. Um, but but he would have loved to meet this guy so his real interests were not in governance um and apparently even growing up his parents had a hard time kind of trying to rein him in and so um and and like learn the the tools of what it meant to be a king because he was always a cultural guy and so he um was always interested in art and music and my boy also was uh, interested in architecture, um, which is great because my degree is in architecture, so I love that. Um, and so one of the first acts that he did when he was king a few months after he took the throne was to summon Richard Wagner, Wagner, the composer, um, to his court just to meet him because he loved the guy. And he's just like, oh, hell fucking yes. Classical, I guess, it, I don't know if it was considered classical back then, modern music – whatever it was called, this dude's the shit. So he brought Wagner to his court, Wagner to his court, and um, in 1864, uh, uh, he laid the foundation stone for a new court theater, which is now called the Staatstheater, which just, I think it means city theater, Um, Am Getneplatz, so I think that's Garden Plaza, or the Getneplatz Theater. Um... And so this is when, in 1864, so right when America's about to, you know, finish up our silly little civil war that the South had to start, whatever. And um, so he he starts a new construction project of a new palace in place of those two uh, weird, na- oddly named castles that I can't pronounce and, and will not try again. Uh, and so... In his diary from five years prior in 1859, there were sketches um, of those ruins. And so he'd he'd had a fascination on that plot of land for a while, which, I mean, can you blame the dude, though? He lived in a castle on a hill that had been built by knocking down the ruins of an old castle. And every day as a kid in the summer, he would look at an even taller hill with even bigger ruins of old castles. Obviously, I mean, I'm going to take that as a challenge and try to be like, bitch, you're coming down. Like, you know, I'm so I don't blame him. Um, So anyway, so, yeah, so he started this in 1864 um, and it was um, this castle originally called Neu Hohenschwangau Castle. Um, Basically, the because his home was Hohenschwangau. So basically just new name of my current house, um, new house. And uh, it wasn't named um, Neuschwanstein, which is what it would become. It wasn't named that till after he died. Um, but this is this castle. If you've never seen photos of it, it is one of the most gorgeous places um, in the history of absolutely ever. And it is, it's got this beautiful, like, gatehouse that's red brick, um, symmetrical gatehouse that kind of looks like the entrance to one of the gates in King's Landing, if you've ever watched Game of Thrones, and it's got this, like, one big tower on the right, and this huge courtyard, and, I mean, you, like, you can't describe it, you just have to see it, but, I mean, it's got, like, the, like, the witch hat, as I, I call them the witch hat turrets, the tops, very, um, Pointy tops. I mean, and it just it looks like what we think of when we think of a fairy tale castle. Um, and so, in building this, it was a an architectural fashion known as castle romanticism. Obviously, you can can assume what that means. Very romantic castles. Um, but here's here's what's interesting. So the building design wasn't drawn. Um, by an architect it was actually drawn by this stage designer named christian Jenk, um who uh, who side story also planned the construction of another castle called falkenstein falcon rock um, and you should look that up cuz the sketch for that is epic as hell and like literally looks like a like the cover of a d booklet like it's that like that was the kind of design we're talking here um and so this stage designer designed this um, castle for King Ludwig. And, and um, basically Ludwig, like this castle, is all a set. I mean, it, it, was, it was designed, it was, it was inspired by the operas of, of Wagner. It was kind of designed to be this um, idealistic setting, but never really something that was functional. I mean, which is nuts because it's fucking huge. It's like 12 stories tall. And it's like I I couldn't live in a two-story home that didn't have functioning rooms. This thing is an actual castle that was designed based on the principles of set design and stage design and, and and it was meant to evoke and make you feel like you were in an opera or, or you were in medieval Germany or you were in this kind of like Knights of the Holy Grail epic um, fantasy literature. And so in um, the following years after uh, 1864, the construction on this thing um, was kind of starting to percolate um, in his mind. And he was very determined. Ludwig was like, all right, I want to do this. I've, I've, I've set my mind to it. This is going to be my new home. <laughs> well, back in his um, non-Castle personal life, um, some other stuff was brewing, which you don't really think about a lot when you think about history. And so that is a, 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 a man, a friend, a buddy, um guy named Paul came into his life. And so um basically in eighteen sixty seven Um it was announced that he would marry huh, no not the guy named Paul, don't jump ahead, that's not where this is going. Um yet. Uh, um so basically Ludwig became engaged to Duchess Sophie Charlotte in Bavaria, his cousin. Yes, his cousin, um, which I guess was a lot more common back then. And, I mean, FDR did it, so whatevs. Um, JK, don't. It's not whatevs. Don't marry your cousin. Um, His cousin and the youngest sister of his dear friend, Empress Elizabeth of Austria. Uh, So they both really liked Wagner. So I guess, you know, sharing musical taste is enough to randomly get uh, engaged. So the engagement was announced on January 22nd of 1867. um, And he... Um, he just kept postponing the wedding. Like, they would set a wedding date, and something would come up, and he'd be like, ah, man, maybe not. Let's let's just wait a little bit more. And finally, in October of that year, he canceled it. Um, He canceled the wedding, so he never got married to this uh, woman. And so, at the time, though, what was also happening is uh in 1863 roughly um, so a couple of years later there is this a guy named Paul Maximilian Lamoral who was the prince of Thurn and taxes probably not saying that right um and he had been um, in one of one of the local regional wars and was in the army and somehow through people different people had made his way up To King Ludwig's service, and they were about the same age. I want to say that Paul was um, two years older than Ludwig, Um, and you know at the time they're both still teens, like this is um, uh, between ages like nineteen and twenty-one kind of a thing. And so he became his aide de camp. He was kind of like um, so, like Paul was to Ludwig what Alexander Hamilton was to my boy Alexander Hamilton was to George Washington. Like they were very very close, but since they were the same age, instead of it being kind of like this father-son dynamic that Hamilton and Washington almost had, um, it, it, from my understanding, um, thank you, Ron Chernell, um, is that Paul and um, Ludwig were like best friends. But they were like like best friends. Like people were talking, guys. Um, and so there are a lot of um, people who think that Paul and Ludwig were best um, basically, gay lovers. Um, Or, that's just a weird phrase, that they were a a happy gay couple. I don't know, but uh, it says, the history says that, um, I'm losing all of my pages. Um, Beginning in the 1860s, private letters, um, Ludwig's diary, and other surviving personal documents confirm, state, because this is his personal stuff, that he had strong homosexual desires, strong gay desires, and he struggled all of his life to suppress his sexual desires and remain true to the teachings of his Catholic faith. Um, So dude was like super torn inside. So he's basically (laughs) like Mac from It's Always Sunny, um, if you get that reference. And so he's, yeah, so he's this devout Catholic, but he's like, yo, I kind of like dudes, What the fuck do I do with this? And so then he meets this guy, Paul, who, side note, is also a sharp-looking fella. And I don't know. I mean, obviously, to a degree, Paul felt the same way because, well, just allow me to read. So um, back in the day, you know, people wrote a lot more eloquently anyway. Um, But so I don't know if this was just a general back-in-the-day thing or... (sighs) I mean, historians know what they know for a reason. So, like, I guess you can look back at all the flowery words that people wrote back then and somehow still say, oh, no, they were definitely gay. <laughs> um, like, it's still a little different than, like, even normal eloquence. And so some of the things that um, Paul and, and Ludwig would, would write to each other were just like, oh, just, mm, warms my heart. So in a letter um, in... I don't have the year in on this one, so, but in a letter to Paul from King Ludwig, he says, let me assure you that I shall always foster with the same sincerity of feelings of gratefulness and faithful love, which I bear for you in my heart. Remember with love, your faithful Ludwig. Like, oh, it's so cute. Um, and so there is another letter that Paul wrote back to Ludwig dated, um, May 5th of 1866, in which he says, Dear and beloved Ludwig, I am just finishing my diary with the thought of the beautiful hours which we spent together that evening a week ago, which made me the happiest man on earth. Oh, Ludwig, Ludwig, I am consecrated to you. I couldn't stand the people around me. I sat still, and in my thought, I was with you. Oh, how my heart beats when, at home, I see a light in your window, like, ugh, like, guys, that's like, sorry, that got real loud, i probably deafened y'all, that's so fucking adorable, like, they were in a time and a place where, apparently, it wasn't punishable, um, since 1813 in Bavaria to be gay, so, way to be progressive, uh, Bavaria, doesn't mean there wasn't a social stigma, it's, fucking 2019, and we're in fucking America, and there's still a god dang stigma. So, I'm sure there's obviously a stigma, but it wasn't punishable by death, so kudos for that. But, I mean, it's Bavaria. They're, like, hella Catholic. So, like, this dude is struggling, and he's just like, Oh, but there's this guy, and I really like him, and he's super cute, and he's also kind of wealthy like me, and he's into the same things, and the biggest thing is that, oh, he likes me back. And so they were, like, super close. But... The thing is that, um, for reasons unknown, um, Ludwig was kind of a dick. And, um, the relationship between Paul and Ludwig soon soured. It says, again, from Wikipedia, "...jealous tongues attempted to discredit Paul, and evil and untrue rumors reached Ludwig's ears that Paul lived a frivolous life. Having little malice in his own nature, Ludwig could never get used to it in others." And at first, he probably took the rumors about Paul at face value. So, I mean, I get it, because Ludwig was always known as this super introverted guy and, like, like really reserved and really artsy and creative. I mean, like, I mean, honestly, I think he was probably just, like, a four or a five on the Enneagram. If you know the Enneagram, if you know Myers-Briggs, I'm real into that, too. He's probably, like, an INFJ or something. Like, just real precious soul and real, real quiet and unassuming. But... Probably since he didn't have that many close friends, if he had someone as close as Paul, when he hears like, oh, you know, Paul's going around and hanging out with other guys, I I could I could see because I kind of understand this in my own self and with some of my friends, like dude probably got a little jealous real easy, and so um, it, it continues to say although Ludwig's feelings for his friend grew deeper and developed into great love, the friendship was so precariously balanced that the slightest tremor of reality threatened to send it plummeting into oblivion, which is not something you ever want written about a relationship you have. That is not a good Wikipedia entry for any of us when we die. And so, it says, Paul again faltered, making a wrong choice or saying the wrong word, displaying too much familiarity on one occasion and not enough affection on another. Ugh. Speaks to my heart. Dude's just like, Ludwig is just kind of like, doesn't know what, what to feel ever. Um, so eventually, um, once and for all, he cut Paul out of his life. The final, this is what fucking kills me. It says, apparently the final indiscretion was so trivial, so trivial, that even Paul was unaware of it. When he learned of his fall from grace, he sent some agonized letters to Ludwig. But wait for it. There was no response from Ludwig. So Ludwig... Basically told his best friend and more than likely gay Lover slash boyfriend out of the blue. Yo, I'm done with you and when He got the text back saying what the fuck why? Dude fucking ghosted his ass and it pisses me off like This is oh god like it's not cool in 2019 wasn't cool in 1867 Like, never cool, I don't care how wealthy you are or how gay or straight or black or white or male or female or German you are, don't fucking ghost people. It's a dick move. And so my heart aches for Paul. He wrote a letter back saying, my own beloved Ludwig, what in the name of all the saints have I done to you? What did I say that no hand, no good night, no Auf sayin favored me? How, how I feel, I cannot say. My trembling hand may show you my inner disquiet. I did not intend to hurt you. Forgive me. Be good with me again. I fear the worst. I cannot stand this. May my notes climb to you reconcilingly. Amen and forgive your unhappy friend. Um. And when this happened, Paul was 23, Ludwig was 21, they'd been close friends for about three years, so that makes me super sad. Um, as well, in the year 1867, um, Paul's family had a tw- uh, 12-year-old daughter slash Paul's sister, uh, Aunt Amelia, Aunt Emily. Um, she was 12, she died uh, in February, and then his half-brother, uh, died at the age of 22 in June, so super shit year for that guy, um, then in 1868, just in case you're wondering, you know, the continued shit that would happen to Paul in the next few years after Ludwig ghosted him, um, he was forced by his family to marry some woman that was below his social status, which was, I don't, I just couldn't figure out why the hell they did this, um, but it was a way for them to disown him because he married out of his station. So they took away all of his titles. So he kept trying to contact Ludwig saying, can you give me like an honorary title? Cause this bad stuff happened to me. And you know, I still don't know why I made you mad. Um, but Ludwig was still being a little dick and wouldn't respond. Um, and, um, so by the time that Two or three years had passed after Ludwig ghosted him. He was not only without his best friend, but had married this woman by force of his family and lost all of his family titles, all of his inheritance, and his family wouldn't talk to him. Um, I don't, I don't, don't ask. I really don't get it. Um, in the meantime, Ludwig was very focused on building um, up New Schwanstein, and so he was not interested at all in governing, which. It was kind of okay because they were a constitutional monarchy so they had a parliament he had a cabinet like it's kind of like england now where it's like if the queen decided to just be like fuck it i'm just gonna watch netflix all day i'm j- hell i'm gonna watch the crown see if they did it well maybe they did maybe they didn't i can say netflix cancel I'm the, I'm the queen um she could like if the queen wanted to do that she could because she doesn't you know she's not Boris Johnson, she's, she's not um, David Cameron, she's not any of these PMs that are or were, she doesn't run the government, she's a figurehead. And so in a lot of ways Ludwig was like that, but he was still wealthy as fuck, and so he kept taking out loans from all these people for all these building projects, and yo, I'm all for um, architecture and art, and, and and I'm not even a fiscal conservative, but at the same time I'm like, there's a point where you got to stop. And so he um, started to be known as... Um, being like that guy that was too much in debt and so he begged the austrian emperor the kings of belgium and sweden um to ask the the sultan and the shah of persia for money Um, he kept asking uh other people in his cabinet for money he never actually apparently used bavarian funds taxpayer funds to build um new schwanstein which dope i guess all the libertarians out there say holla um that's cool but um Yeah, so he quickly became known as, um, like, the king that was going into getting into debt, and so he, um, back in castle land, in 1868, he blew up the ruins of the two medieval castles that were up there, and the foundation stone for Neuschwanstein was laid on September 5th, 1867. Uh, or so I'm sorry, 1869. So a little over 150 years ago. Um, it's October 21st as of this recording. So the foundation stone for this castle just turned 150, which is something a lot of people don't realize that this castle is not that old. Um, it is post-American Civil War, and so it's actually so new. Here's some some weird, interesting facts about the castles that, as it was being built, which it took a fuck ton of time to build. Um, it uh, was originally supposed to be done in 1872. Um, in 1872 its cellar was completed, so, hmm, not close to being done, um, and uh, by 1876 everything up to the first floor, again this is like 12 stories tall, um, was done. The gatehouse um, was done, um, the throne hall was actually a later addition, and um, it has a steel framework. So. Again, it's this idea. It's like it's a, It's almost like a movie set. It's not. It's not real. I mean, it's a, it's real, but it's not what we think of when we think of like true medieval castles. It, it's this romanticized version of it because I mean, it's got fucking steel, um, supporting a lot of it. It was also originally it was all clad in brick and then covered in limestone. So it's got like an actual structural core, and then everything else is just to make the facade pretty. Um, apparently, Ludwig was like, super crazy when it came to micromanaging. Um, uh, Apparently, there is a mural um, depicting an ancient, like, German, um, like, Holy Grail-type story in one of the rooms, and there is a quote describing, Ludwig is saying, His Majesty wishes that the ship in the mural be placed further from the shore, that this one figure's neck be tilted a little less, and that the chain from the ship be painted, um, that the chain from the ship, oh, to this swan, I guess there was a chain that was going from, like, the boat over to, like, a swan, that it be of gold, and not of roses, and finally the style of the castle shall be kept medieval. So, like, even, even his, the fucking paintings in here, dude was like, type A, you will do this, this, and this, which... I mean, you know, project architect got to do what a project architect got to do, I guess, but whatever. Um, The throne room is actually a Byzantine Arab design, which is, just let that be a note to anyone who's anti-Syrian refugees in Germany, saying that they don't belong in the culture of Germany. Fuck you, because one of your most prized cultural artifacts has a heart, a throne room, a core that's designed in an Arab style Fuck you, Germany is better with immigrants. Okay, I'm done. Anyway, um, it had a uh, battery-powered bell system for servants and telephone lines. The kitchen um, had a special oven that the heat would turn a skewer on its own, um, and the hot air from this was actually used to create a central heating system. So this is a fucking castle that has central heat and AC. I've lived in apartments in America that don't have that, um, and uh, some other novelties of the area. It had running warm water, toilets that automatically flushed. It was actually fully electrical. Um, I mean, this is closer to, this is like if you've ever been to or heard of Biltmore um, in Asheville, North Carolina. Like it, it, it is the most modern of of its era, but it just happens to be a castle. Um, so the interior was decorated. It was inspired by, again, the operas of Wagner, of Wagner, Um, something I found that is interesting, it says that next to the drawing room is an artificial grotto that forms a passage to the study. It's an unusual little room that's equipped with an artificial artificial waterfall and a so-called rainbow machine. What the fuck is a rainbow machine? I need to know what a rainbow machine is. I cannot let that go. Um... So the palace was intended to be uh, an inhabitable theatrical setting. Again, um, the buildings and the courtyard were supposed to be decorative, not residential. Um, Thirty people did die during construction. Cool, but their families received a small pension. So at least he wasn't as you know wicked as you know a coal company baron because they don't do shit for families. Um, at the end of um, end of eighteen eighty two this building was finished. So it was, it was 10 years uh, over budget. So let that be a thing that you remember. Um, 10 years over, um, but before, way before it was finished, um, actually um, in 18, all of my notes are missing. Um, in 1870, this crazy shit happened. And I need you to understand um, that his story... Here it is. Sorry. His story gets even weirder and crazier. Um, so while all of this construction of the castle is happening, this thing called the Kaiser Brief, or Letter of the Kaiser, Letter of the Emperor, w- was written on November 30th, 1870, so just a few years after construction of the castle started, before the cellar was even done. Um, and basically, what this was... This is fucking nuts. This is House of Cards shit right here. Um, it was a letter drafted by... Otto von Bismarck um, and other sovereigns of the German states asking them to crown the Prussian king Wilhelm I as the Kaiser of the new German empire. But Bavaria was and always has been like super independent. Like when I I went to Germany a few years ago and they described – actually, ironically, I went to Munich was the first city I I went to first um, where where we landed – and they explained it by saying Bavaria is the Texas of Germany. Like it's it's fine that it's in Germany. It loves Germany now. But if they were to secede, they would not care. I mean, they they would be water off their back. They would actually probably rather be their own place because Bavaria for so long was independent. And so. Um, Ludwig and his younger brother Otto and his family, they didn't really want to be a part of the German Empire, and so even though the Parliament of Bavaria had agreed to it, Ludwig was a known uh, opponent of it, and like, this shit's nuts, I swear, and so basically he wrote, or signed this letter uh, in support of joining the German, new German Empire and making this one guy their new emperor, their, their new leader, um, even though he was against it, um, because one, he got concessions. Um, although this may have been the Bavarian Parliament that did this, I don't, I don't really know. But B- Bavaria was able to keep their own like postal service and train line, and in times of peace, their own standing army. So they still had a degree of sovereignty. But get this scandal: um, he wrote this letter, and for writing this letter, he got paid millions and millions of dollars through a secret swiss bank account um for this support so essentially it was a bribe he got bribed for a political endorsement like this is like real shit like real deep political shit and um Basically, it was from Otto von Bismarck, and he was the uh, king or something of northern Germany, which is at the time was like another independent kingdom. And anyway, he had this um, kind of money that the country or the region or whatever he was from had taken after they'd won a war. And so they just had all this extra money they had like confiscated or gotten after a war, and he was just kind of like under the table being like, here... If you support my boy, uh, Wilhelm, I'll give you millions of dollars. And Ludwig was like, I got a castle to finish, bitch. You can have whoever you want in charge. I just want my goddamn castle. And so that was a major thing that I did not see. And I was like, the fuck has this not been made into a movie? And then I found out it was actually made into like three movies in the 70s and 80s and like again in 2006. So never mind. Um, so anyway, um, It got to a point, though, um, he had been getting this money for a long time, and it finally got to a point where in um, 1886, so this is four years after Neuschwanstein's completed, um, he asked his cabinet for a credit of six million marks, so like a German mark, their their dollar, um, and they denied it. Um, So in April of that year, he applied for that from his parliament, but um, they denied um, his request as well. Um, he was living at the time at Neuschwanstein, but the Bavarian government had had enough, and so they had determined they were going to depose him and overthrow him. And so on June 9th, um, a bunch of men with guns come to this castle to arrest him. He refuses um, and uh, to, to go, shuts them like out of the castle, I read that apparently one of his devout supporters actually chased the men out of like the the, out past the front gates by like trying to hit them with an umbrella, because I guess they're like, okay, we're not gonna shoot this woman, but she's got an umbrella, so I guess we should leave because she's hitting us. And they basically used um, his extravagance, his kind of quirkiness, his weirdness, his desire to build this castle, and he built like several other palaces and stuff. To say he was mad. And like to this day, he's known as the Mad King. Which I don't think is really fair. Because being a Game of Thrones fan, I'm like, no, the Mad King burns people alive. This dude just wanted to build a fancy house. There's a big difference. Um, and so it was really unfair, though, for this guy. Because basically, his people didn't love him. Yeah, I get it. He was running up a debt. Um, but basically, eventually, he was arrested. Um, and he was taken... Um, into custody, uh, and he, behind his back, there was a report that had been filed, a medical report, um, by various people, and this one doctor, um, named, was it Guder, um, Gooden, um, to, this guy named Dr. Gooden, um, basically wrote this report saying, like, hey, if you look at X, Y, and Z, this dude's crazy. He cannot lead. And um, Ludwood confronted him. him. And it says he was was seized in the early hours of the 12th of June. Um, A second commission arrived, so more guys with guns, uh, which is when they seized him. Um, At 4 a.m., he was taken to a waiting carriage, and he asked the doctor, how can you declare me insane? You've never even seen me or examined me before. You've never met me. And this prick of a doctor says... It's unnecessary. The documentary evidence and the servants' like side reports, their, their stories, is it's very copious and it's completely substantiating and it's overwhelming. Basically, yeah, I know I didn't examine your brain, but people think you're nuts, so we're going to just overthrow you. Please get in the carriage. Let's leave. Um, so he... You know, was gonna, and before that he was gonna try to escape, but he wasn't ever able to. Um, so, on the afternoon of the next day, June the 13th, 1866, um, this Prick doctor, Dr. Prick, Dr. Gooden, accompanied Ludwig on a stroll uh, at the grounds of Berg Castle. They were escorted by two attendants, and on their return, um, Gooden expressed optimism to the other doctors um, concerning Ludwig. Um, around 6 p.m. Ludwig asked Guden to accompany him on a further walk, this time through the Schlossberg Park along the shores of the lake. Um, Gooden agreed, and they um, took this walk, but no aides joined them. They were supposed to be back at 8 in the evening, but they never returned. Searches were made for two hours by the entire staff of the castle in a gale and heavy rain, and at 10.30 that evening... King Ludwig and Dr. Von Guden, apparently is his full name, were found both dead with their head and shoulders above shallow water near the shore, but Ludwig's watch had stopped at 6.54 p.m. Um, police patrolling the park had neither seen or heard anything. So, mysterious death. Well... Um, his (laughs) death, this is dumb as hell, his death was officially ruled a suicide by drowning, but the autopsy indicated no water was found in his lungs, so you have to be really bad at swimming, um, for that to happen. Uh, The water was approximately waist-deep, and Ludwig was actually a very good swimmer when he was young, um, and he had not expressed suicidal feelings during his crisis. But Dr. Guden's body showed blows to the head and neck and signs of strangulation. Um, Though there is also speculation Ludwig was murdered while trying to escape, one account suggests that there was this friend of his that was a fisherman That was hiding near the coast and that the plan was that Ludwig was going to kill the doctor, escape into the boat, and row away. And as he was getting into the boat from out of the blue, um, some gunshots rang out, shot him, and killed him. But um, there's never been any evidence that uh, there were bullet wounds in his body during the autopsy. But, you know, when the autopsy says you fucking drowned to death, like killed yourself by drowning, and there's no water in your lungs. You probably don't trust that guy that did the autopsy. Like, definitely lying. So, um, what is crazy again? House of Cards. It goes back to back to politics, people. Um, so this Dr. Guden and one of Ludwig's uncles um, were good friends, and basically, um, a lot of people think that there was just this holistic plot to remove Ludwig and kill him at all cost <laughs> excuse me to get Bavaria to better like acquiesce to the German Empire because most of the people in charge in the parliament and stuff in Bavaria were all for German unification. It was just Bavaria it was just Ludwig and Otto that weren't. Um, and what's crazy is that like after he died Otto took over his little brother and almost the same shit happened to Otto like he wasn't he didn't die mysteriously but um he was also deposed and and they were both labeled as schizophrenics that that's kind of the official report is that they were both schizophrenic because essentially you know one was quiet and and artsy and eccentric and spent too much money and the other one was kind of like borderline PTSD after he got back from a war. So they were just like, oh, let's just call him schizo. Um, You know, call it a day, and then we can overthrow them and have our own rule in the kingdom because everybody's corrupt. People suck. Um, So anyway, yeah, so then he mysteriously dies. Um, He was, whatever, 40-something when he died. Um, And then, again, Otto took over, but the castle... um, Castle had been completed four years prior. Um, he actually only ended up staying in the castle for a total of 11 nights. <laughs> oh, which sucks so fucking much. Um, and the main thing that wasn't built, there was supposed to be a keep, which is like the kind of main part of a castle. So again, Game of Thrones reference, the red keep, the tall part. Um, it was supposed to be 300 feet high. It was planned for the middle of the courtyard, and it was supposed to be attached to a three-nape chapel. That wasn't built, um, but in the f- like cobblestones in the floor in the courtyard, you can see um, the outline of the chapel, which is super cool. Um, a little embarrassing. It says, had it been completed, the palace would have had more than 200 interior rooms. But ultimately, <laughs> this is so sad. Ultimately, no more than about 15 rooms were finished, <laughs> so this fucking castle in the god dang Alps should have had over 200 beautiful rooms, and because it was designed to look like a stage, and the king was overthrown, and was mysteriously killed, and the budget was way overdone, and a bunch of weird factors, only 15 rooms are done. They don't tell you that on GermanyTourism.com um and so he did he, he never intended to make it accessible to the public but 6 weeks after his death um the regent the guy <coughs> guy excuse me who came in charge ordered it open to paying visitors and um by 1899 the estate had managed to pay off all the construction debt so there you go um Few other little things. It says due due to its secluded location, it survived obviously two world wars. Um, in 1944, it was a depot for Nazi plunder taken from France, um, and uh, was used to catalog the art that was stolen. In April of, uh, 1945, the SS, because fucking Nazis, considered blowing up the castle to prevent the building and the art falling into the hands of the enemy. Which I really don't get. Like I truly don't get. Like I get that you're fucking Nazis and you're the worst. Like of all time but it's this beautiful building like why do you care if your enemies get it i just i guess i'm just not a vengeful person in that way i'm like i care more that the building is there not whether or not someone i hate has it so but anyway they're fucking nazis so they lost and um it never happened they never uh, followed through with it um nowadays um it is owned and managed by the (laughs) God, I love Germans. It's managed by the Bavarian Palace Department, which is apparently a a division of the Bavarian Finance Ministry. We need a palace department in America. Um, It welcomes about 1.5 million visitors a year, making it the most popular tourist—one of the most popular tourist destinations in Europe— however if you're going to go for security reasons the palace can only be visited during a 35 minute guided tour no photographs are allowed in the castle um and its peak season is from june to august um in which it has as many as six thousand visitors per day um sometimes you have to wait several hours um and 61 million people have visited it already um throughout history um since 2015 um it was listed on germany's Tentative list as a future designation for a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, and my favorite thing the reason that this castle is so important and King Ludwig is so important, and why you would recognize this castle and say that looks so familiar is that Neuschwanstein was the inspiration for Walt Disney to design sleeping beauty's castle in disneyland and later cinderella's castle at walt disney world so the most recognizable um castle in modern uh pop culture so to say um you know the icon of the disney empire other than mickey mouse is based on this castle um which is dope as hell and um yeah you see it and you'll be like oh yeah that's like a that's a shrek castle it's a disney castle it's it is it was literally the disney castles are based off this castle um and i'll end with this because originally i was like oh i will make this like a 20 minute episode because a lot of people's first podcast episode is only 20 minutes but fuck it i don't care i uh, just want to share things i think are cool with y'all and if y'all listen to this whole episode that's great and if you don't Again, I don't care. I'm going to make this... um, I'll get better, maybe, maybe not, as I go along, and I'll learn to edit and do all this other fun stuff. But I'm going to end with this, um, is that one of Ludwig's most quoted sayings, which I hope we can all live by, is in German. Again, I'm going to butcher this. Ein Iwig bleiben will ich mir und anderen, which in English means... I wish to remain an eternal enigma to myself and to others. So that's it. That's, that's the story of King Ludwig II of Bavaria um, and his fairy tale castle New Schwanstein. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, again, bear with me as I figure out what the hell I'm doing with this podcast. Um, and I will see you guys in a week. Um, and yeah, I hope, like me, you thought that this was super cool.